This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Mr. Manageability Chris Gebhardt stops by with Automation Product Manager Yuvarazu to discuss the ONTAP Manageability Portfolio. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipor. Zipor. I love NetApp because it's so funny. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have Chris Gebhardt and Yuvarazu with us to talk about manageability. So Chris, what is it that you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? Hey Justin. Uh, So I'm a technical marketing engineer and I'm working across the manageability portfolio. Um, I'm working with Yuvarazu and his team and uh, many others that you've had on the podcast over manageability month uh, to really, you know, work with our engineering teams, work with our customers and and partners and uh, deliver consistent messaging and consistent product across the different tools that we have that our customers use to manage their products. And so that's kind of my primary charter. And how you get a hold of me is uh, you can uh, reach me at uh, cgeb at netapp.com or via Twitter at Chris Geb. All right. And Chris, let the cat out of the bag here. It is manageability month, apparently. Uh, so we, we're doing a series of podcasts on manageability. And, and you may or may not have already heard them by this podcast, but we'll have a several podcasts uh, about the manageability portfolio. And this one is kind of the goal is to cover the manageability portfolio as a whole and kind of give you ideas of where you'd use what. It's kind of a quick hit podcast to try to help you understand uh, the best ways to use our manageability products. That said, uh, Yuvarazu is also here today to talk to us. So Yuvarazu, what do you do here at NetApp and how we reach you? Hey, Justin, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, my name is Yuvarazu, product manager with uh, the NetApp manageability team, working on products like um, Workflow automation, PowerShell toolkit, ONTAP REST API, and other tools. So you can reach me um, via my email ID, yuvaraju at netapp.com, or the Twitter handle, B underscore yuvaraju. Yep. Thanks, Justin. Yep, excellent. All right. So like I said, we're here to talk about manageability in our products in that portfolio, but... If you're not familiar with the term manageability, which some people aren't, or maybe people have different definitions of manageability. Um, so, Chris, you know, what is manageability to you? So, to me, it's it's how our customers interact with uh, the, the portfolio of NetApp and really within the, um, not just NetApp, within all of their data center, right? So how they interact with their systems and applications, that's really what manageability is. And and in our context, it is focused on, uh, specifically for me and Yuvaraju, um, we are focused on the ONTAP manageability portfolio. So um, we don't actually, let me take that back. Yuvaraju has his scope is, is a little bit beyond that because he does deal with Ansible and uh, the PowerShell Toolkit and others, of which we have those for um, our other platforms as well. Um, but I really focus on the manageability from an ONTAP perspective. So how do our customers use these tools to interact with their systems to provide services to their customers? So, you know, from the most basic, um, you know, I, I need to create a volume to you know, how do I 
alert, uh, you know, based on events that are happening um, and be able to remediate those through automation, right? So it, it really uh, spreads the, um, you know, all the different tools and, and the different types of customers, you know, within different environments um, and how they interact with their systems and and their the, the ONTAP and, and NetApp products in their environment. Okay. So, you know, specifically we're covering ONTAP manageability. There are other products in the NetApp portfolio, such as E-Series and Storage Grid, where we're not going to really be covering that. Um, that said, I mean, there are other ONTAP manageability products out there that we aren't necessarily covering here either. So um, how, how do those fit under your purview? I know, like, what sort of products do you have versus what are other things out there that people might be using to manage ONTAP? Sure. So... You know, my responsibility is in in this particular group is really focused on um, System Manager, which is our Element Manager UI, AIQUM, which is Active IQ Unified Manager. I'm working with the Snap Center team um, as well, and I I do work with the other groups. Um, you know, the virtual storage council and the cloud insights team as they do manage on tap products. So we try to provide consistency across these uh, different tools, uh, but really focused on the on-premises uh, data center tools that manage an on tap system, including, you know, rest and Ansible and such. So I work with Uvaraju uh, on those. Well, like I mentioned, we'll be covering different manageability products. And, you know, the idea here is to help you understand where to use what manageability product, because there are several out there. Um, so let's, let's start with the first one that everyone ha- kind of has experience with, because when you get an on-test system, you get this automatically. So system manager. So you Viraju, tell us a little bit about, about a little bit about system manager and when and why you'd want to use that. Yeah. So Justin, uh, before we get into system manager, we kind of look at uh, expanding what kind of Chris mentioned around the portfolio and the set of products. So if you're looking at uh, the set of tools which help you with the storage infrastructure, monitoring and management, I think it is System Manager and ActiveIQ Unified Manager, uh, which kind of come together and then provide you the capabilities uh, to monitor and manage your on-tap storage system uh, from a UI and from a day-to-day standpoint. So irrespective of the flavor of ONTAP, whether it is running on an engineered system or uh, ONTAP software running on any third-party system in your premises, as well as cloud volume instance, so these two products help you manage it from a user interface on a day-to-day basis. Now, on the application data management standpoint is where you have NetApp Snap Center, which comes into the picture, it gives you application-consistent data protection for applications, databases, host file systems. Uh, and then you have plugins available for different applications like Exchange, SQL, SAP, HANA, Oracle, and custom applications. And from a virtual infrastructure management, uh, you have the Virtual Storage Console, which is part of the ONTAP tools for VMware vSphere, uh, so which helps you manage your NetApp storage directly from VMware vCenter. So if you're looking at um, a different aspects of management, whether it is an application level or at storage infrastructure level, we have all these substantial and rich set of tools uh, which kind of help you uh, from uh, on-tap, on-premises management standpoint. So coming into system manager, right? System manager is the first tool 
when you bring in an on-tap system, as you rightly mentioned, uh, the user comes to terms with system manager because that's the first element management tool that a user gets in touch with. So with system manager, uh, what can be achieved? So right from setting up your system uh, to kind of um, creating your day zero, day one kind of environments, uh, kind of protocol configuration, and then um, uh, doing protection, as well as if you want to upgrade. So all of these are possible with System Manager. Uh, we have had different podcasts on focusing uh, on System Manager itself. So from uh, looking at how System Manager has evolved, uh, we have a lot of smart defaulting now, which uh, has been done as part of System Manager. The reason there is we are trying to provide that cloud-like simplicity, uh, which users are used to when they manage on-premises instance itself, right? So we have a lot of best practices uh, which have been built in as part of each and every workflow so that the user doesn't have to learn a lot of nuance, nuances or specific on-tap specific terms, but be able to easily manage the system. So, yep. In a nutshell, that's what System Manager kind of gives you. So with System Manager, there's ability to do other things like getting uh, events from the event log or you know looking at performance from a holistic view of the system. So that means we have some overlap with some of our, our other manageability products. So my understanding is with System Manager, it's not necessarily there for monitoring. It's more about you know seeing that there might be an issue and then going to some other product to do the more in-depth troubleshooting. So I guess that's where ActiveIQ Unified Manager comes in. So could you give us a little more information about Unified Manager and why someone would want to use that? So if you're looking at uh, Unified Manager, so Unified Manager has uh, the capability of giving you uh, the forecasting kind of capability, the ability to do, re to do reporting, uh, while System Manager allows you to just look at what the uh, performance is on a particular system Unified manager would go a step ahead and then tell you what are the reasons uh, in terms of the particular performance behavior that you're looking at. Or if you're hitting a capacity kind of issue, what could have caused it? How do you remediate it? So these are some of the uh, places where unified manager uh, kind of gives you all those capabilities. Uh, even if you have a, a small footprint of ONTAP, so it could be a two-node or a four-node system, you can still use Unified Manager. One of the major reasons being uh, the Unified Manager from uh, the, the resources standpoint, you can start really small and then it can actually scale up to almost 150 uh, systems. So Unified Manager is quite capable of actually going beyond and then providing you with the forecasting kind of capabilities um, as well as the ability to do an analysis of uh, the different workloads, help you understand which node or aggregate is the right one to place a new workload coming in. So these two products are complementary, while one kind of gives you a view of what's um, happening. The other one actually goes beyond and does a, does a lot of analysis to understand what exactly the reasons are and then help you make the right decisions. And I think the other thing is that that the system manager is cluster scoped, right? So it only deals with the you know a, a up to twenty four node cluster, 
whereas you may have multiple clusters in your environment, um, AIQUM can manage multiple clusters across multiple data centers, right? So I think the scope of management is also an important um, element to, you know, how you would use these because like you, Viraj, you said, right, we do do alerting and, you know, event management and alerting and reporting with AIQUM at the, you know, data center level or multi-data center level. Um, We do do some basic alerting for, you know, hardware related items within system manager, right? If you have a disk failure, things like that, um, you know, that's what communicates with our AIQ database, which generates the case in the the event of a failure of, of some sort, right? So, um, they do do a little bit of alerting in system manager based on environmental things, based on hardware. They don't talk about performance and how you're reaching a, you know, a, a threshold of 80% full and notify me and then provide me with the ability to, to remediate that pretend, uh, potential uh, issue, right? So scope is one thing, as well as the, the, the level of alerting and eventing uh, is much deeper within AIQUM than within System Manager. So System Manager, you can do things like provision volumes and you can create data lifts and set up exports and shares. You can't necessarily do that with Unified Manager. Is that correct? So some things can be done within Unified Manager. It is an active management platform where you can provision different uh, shares and such across clusters. Basically, what, what it it does is it it is like like I said around the scoping, um, system managers provisions at the at the cluster level. Active IQ Unified Manager can provision across multiple clusters. So let's say you had a requirement for a volume you wanted to present via you know NFS, you can use Active IQ Unified Manager and provide it the requirements of the particular workload. So you want to put it on a, you know, extreme performance category for databases, and you can select the performance service level that meets the workload requirements that you're provisioning for. And it will automatically look across all the different clusters in your environment and be able to select the the particular node, the particular aggregate, the particular port, etc., to place that per, that workload. So it provides a level of 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 intelligence that is much greater than the the you know what is provided within the individual cluster. Right, we do some of those same things at the cluster level, um, but this looks across. Uh, AIQUM's provisioning looks across multiple clusters. So with AIQ, you know, we can do the monitoring for multiple clusters and, and sometimes do some provisioning work with multiple clusters. But there there are times where I have to click back into system manager or when I'm in system manager, I have to go to AIQ. So, you know, how do customers get around that? They, do they just deal with it and go from browser to browser? Or is there a, another like third way of doing things that kind of makes that part a little more invisible? And when I when I'm hinting as can we can we do things like you know automate these or leverage REST APIs to kind of consolidate things we do in System Manager and things we do in Active IQ into one central location. I think uh, from a customer standpoint, as he progresses uh, from managing an individual system, and then he kind of arrives at these are the workflows that I kind of do on a day to day basis. Um, uh, so. Uh, the next step, the next logical step is where they move into an automation framework. Uh, they try to automate all these day-to-day tasks um, and then they free themselves to do the better 
kind of the overall infrastructure kind of needs. So I think from that standpoint, we do have uh, different levels of APIs based on what the user needs to, uh, user wants to do. So you have uh, the cluster scoped uh, REST APIs from ONTAP, which are introduced from 9.6. And going, uh, and if a user has more than one system, ActiveIQ Unified Manager also provides REST APIs, uh, which can give you that a single endpoint at the data center. So instead of hitting the individual clusters, you can also do so by uh, coming through the REST APIs of ActiveIQ Unified Manager. Um, as Chris mentioned about intelligent provisioning, wherein you're looking at provisioning based on the performance service levels. So you can go through that mode. Uh, we have a lot of integrations with uh, not one orchestration tools like ServiceNow. Um, so users have the flexibility uh, to define or use the tool of choice and also use the right REST APIs. Uh, we also have a lot of integrations with industry standard um, um, configuration management tools like Ansible or PowerShell Toolkit has been very popular with NetApp. A lot of our users and customers use uh, PowerShell Toolkit. So these are some of the different methods. The idea here is depending on the choice um, of the user, whether he wants to go with a programming mode or with, with tools like PowerShell. Uh, so we do have different options for the user through which they can automate if they want to move away from UI based and then move towards automation. So if I'm a customer and you know, you're telling me that I have a progression of system manager to unified manager and Ansible and automation, um, you know, kind of like I'm graduating throughout my storage administrator stack. Why wouldn't I just start with, with the automation piece? Why wouldn't I just go there first and then, you know, cut out the middlemen on the other pieces? I think that there's a, um, there, there's a certain type of organization that really wants to drive automation. And a lot of those are the large scale type of, of operations. Now, I think the bridge between the, you know, going from a, you know, the system manager, the UI driven to the REST API where everything is programmatic is, is that Ansible um, and the ability to use Ansible in, you know, from the CLI and or from uh, something like Ansible Tower, where it provides a UI for you to be able to provision different volumes and such using Ansible. And it then is, you know, allows you to create playbooks and, and such to operate within, you know, for the host sides as well. So I, I think that REST API isn't for everybody. I think that it is a, it is a progression. So users who are comfortable using the UI um, and then slowly they kind of progress towards automation. But if you're looking at organizations, depending on the size of organizations, you do have architects who can design uh, and implement the overall workflows and then make it easier for a user to come either through a self-service kind of tool or a self-service kind of portal and then go and request for what exactly he needs. So that way you have the backend defined and depending on what the user needs, he can come in and then fill those details and he can get that service done for him. Yeah. So I think it, it, it also depends on the size of the organization and then uh, the skill sets they have. And then with everybody, with multiple organizations looking at automation now, I think that's the progression that we are seeing, trying to build uh, things like file as a service, a self-service portal, 
um, is what we are seeing. So as far as you know, use goes, um, I'm sure you guys have metrics of how much each product gets used. So you know, can you kind of break down for me who uses what the most? Are they, are they using System Manager the most? Or are they using some blend of System Manager and Unified Manager? How does that all break down? I think from... Um, if you're looking at um, a user and the number of on-tap nodes he has in his uh, um, organization, so anybody who has a two-node or a four-node system, what we have been seeing, a system manager gets used a lot. Um, and also, we also see that unified manager also comes into the picture when user has more than one system. Uh, but we have been uh, kind of advocating that even for one system, there is a lot of value which unified manager brings in. So coming back to the question, uh, after system manager, it is unified manager. Um, and then when you have organizations with multiple um, um, on-tap systems, uh, for monitoring, they use unified manager. And now with REST APIs coming in with unified manager, you can also see that uh, they're using it from an automation standpoint as well. So uh, um, mid-size to large organizations is where you have all the automation tools coming into the picture. Uh, depending on the the requirement of the user, uh, they use tools like PowerShell Toolkit or the sophisticated ones or the ones which move towards uh, tools like workflow automation. And now we are seeing a gradual move uh, to Ansible given the ease of use of Ansible and the different modules which NetApp provides. So we're seeing Ansible modules uh, coming to the fore, uh, especially when you're talking about automation, be it whether... It's a small size, a mid-size, or a bigger size organization. So what are some of the more creative things you're seeing people do with Ansible? I mean, are they using Ansible to, you know, have ActiveIQ Unify Manager feed into it with, you know, alerts and then kick off automated tasks to fix things? Or, you know, or are they just using it simply to provision new environments? So, yeah, um, I think to answer this question, uh, people use a lot of ServiceNow integrations, uh, ServiceNow is a very popular ticketing tool, similar there are multiple other tools. So ServiceNow integrations is one which is predominantly used. Um, along with, with ServiceNow gets used with ActiveIQ Unified Manager on one end. And Ansible, uh, you, uh, if you're looking at NetApp, NetApp has almost close to 100 modules uh, to manage on tap. So these modules, you can break down, break down, break them down into uh, the different kind of tasks, depending on what you do. At day zero is where you might set it up um, and then make it ready. And then day one is where you could configure it. And then day two is where you do a lot of other operations. So Ansible actually caters at, for all these three different kind of operations, be it day zero, day one, or day two. And what we are seeing is Ansible works really well. Uh, it brings down the overall uh, time a user takes uh, to set it up uh, to, to do a configuration management of a system, it brings it down substantially. The, the learning curve is very small. So we see a lot of Ansible usage for all kinds of operations on ONTAP. I'm just speaking specifically around ONTAP here. Yeah, right. I mean, we're not trying to cover all the other portfolio pieces because that would be a much longer show, but... Um, yeah, I just was curious, you know, what sort of things you were seeing out there with Ansible use, because it sounds like there's a lot more capability to it than just simply using it to create a volume in, in a share. That is true. That's very true. Um, for example, to give you one use case, uh, ActiveIQ is one tool which uses a lot of these uh, community wisdom, 
Uh, we use a lot of these uh, um, machine learning. We use a lot of algorithms. Um, and then we help recommend to a user uh, based on what's happening in the community in terms of what he needs to move up to. Could be a firmware, could be on the software version itself. So uh, we have an Ansible module uh, which can actually work off the recommendations from ActiveIQ, and then you can use it to actually go check the different firmwares of the ONTAP systems and then upgrade on a need basis. So there are a lot of different use cases where Ansible has a play. We spent some time talking about automation and Ansible. Um, let's kind of dive into how all that ties together with the REST APIs. And then, you know, also let's talk a little bit about the precursor to this with, with, with workflow automation. So, you know, let's, I guess, start with workflow automation. And since that's where this automation piece for ONTAP kind of began, tell us a little bit more about workflow automation and where that's going. Yeah, so workflow automation uh, has been one of our very popular automation frameworks. Um, and then with multiple global and enterprise kind of customers. Uh, so it really sits in uh, the heart. It's the heart of the whole automation. So one thing with workflow automation is uh, we have a 5.1.1 release, which is coming out this month. So this release addresses um, some of the functional issues which we had seen. Uh, in the 5.1 release. Uh, the reason why we would like our customers to move to 5.1 is with the EOL of Flash being uh, announced, uh, we you, it will be prudent for customers um, to kind of move up from the 4.2 on the 5.0 releases uh, to the 5.1.1, which is all HTML UI based. Uh, and this is a stable release. And uh, for the customers, for the existing automation, we will make sure that with new releases of ONTAP, uh, you will have the packs being available so that the packs allow you uh, to bring in new ONTAP systems, which run say 9.8 now and the future releases, and you can manage for, and your existing automation will still work. So that's around uh, workflow automation, Justin. And, and WFA uses Zappy still, right? It doesn't leverage REST API? That is true, Justin. So WFA uses Zappy. Uh, since uh, we don't have any new features being exposed via Zappy, uh, what it means is some of the new functionality which is coming in through uh, 9.7 on tap release or 9.8 on tap release, you can't you can't take advantage of it uh, in WFA because it's based on Zappies. Uh, so, for customers they can look at uh, the option of automating it via REST or the preferred or the recommended way is to look at uh, Ansible. So Ansible um, is a popular configuration management tool. It is, uh, although Ansible works on Zappy today, we have um, all those Ansible modules, which will work on REST. We have quite a few modules which work on REST as well. So using Ansible will make it seamless for you. And you wouldn't have to worry about what is the underlying API that's being consumed, whether it is Zappy or REST. So Ansible, modules, depending on the ONTAP version, uh, will kind of use uh, the right API underneath. So it is seamless for a, from a user standpoint. You don't have to worry about the API. And uh, Ansible modules, uh, we have modules for all features. Uh, we have uh, modules for features which are coming out with 9.7 and 9.8. For any new automation projects, and given that uh, Ansible is 
proprietary, it's not a proprietary kind of tool. We would like customers to start using Ansible for new automation. Right. So, so what I'm hearing here mm-hmm. is if you've got WFA now, you know, it's, it's doing fine. And we actually are releasing an update to make it, I guess, more usable and getting rid of the flash portion of that. But if you're looking at a new cluster or you're looking to start automating today and learning a new automation uh, suite, you wouldn't necessarily start with WFA. You'd start with something like Ansible because it's more flexible. It's got more capability. And, and generally, you know, that's, that's kind of the wave of the future is, is Ansible modules and, and, and using that with REST API. That is true. So the combination of Ansible modules and Ansible Tower. Ansible Tower gives you the, some of the capabilities uh, which WFA used to provide, uh, like endpoint checks or uh, the ability to design workflows and then have an operator go and use them, the RBAC capabilities, a checkpointing, all of these are there with Ansible Tower. So the combination of Ansible Tower and the modules from NetApp is what makes it um, makes it very interesting and usable for an end user. So, you know, moving into REST API, that's that was introduced in ONTAP 9.6, and basically it's the, the capability of having a standardized API to interact with the storage system. So we've done a lot with APIs, REST APIs, since 9.6. So I'm going to ask a reverse question, basically, is what can't we do today with REST API? Rather than what can we do, what can't we do? Um, what can't we do? Okay, so I'll, I, I will, when you ask me a reverse question, I'll try to answer it in a in the in a, you answer the right it any way. way you like. <laughs> <laughs> so with nine eight, I think most of the functionality of ONTAP is available with within REST, and uh, for some of those, uh, we still have the CLI pass through, uh, similar to uh, the Ansible modules, or similar to what you had with Zappy, where you can drop down to CLI right from the Zappy. We have the same functionality available from REST. So for some of the attributes or uh, a few missing functionality, I, would, I should say, you can drop down to CLI directly off REST. So that's one uh, key point there. The second point is to help uh, partners or customers to transform their automation from Zappy to REST, we actually have a mapping document which is available now on the NetApp support site. So, um, if you are, if you have a login, a SSO login to the NetApp support site, you can access this document. Uh, we have mapped each and every Zappy to uh, the equivalent REST. So what this does is, if you are using a list of Zappies in your automation today, it helps you understand: Do you have the equivalent, and if and which ones to use? Right, that's one of the tough part. If I'm using this, which ones to use? So. We are helping you in that direction to kind of move your automation and plan your transformation. And also, if you find that there are a few attributes missing, you have a mechanism of reaching back to us through the documentation itself. So we have, uh, we would like to hear from you a hyperlink uh, right at the beginning of the document. You click on it, it opens a form. Uh, you can fill in details in terms of which attributes you're missing and what is your use case. And that feedback comes to us. And since we are collecting and collating all this feedback, this, it helps us prioritize some of the missing gaps, right? So uh, in a nutshell, uh, we have almost uh, 70 to 80% of the functionality of the common use cases. The most common use cases have been totally, uh, are totally available on REST. In addition to it, there's a lot more functionality which came in uh, 9.8. And also on the performance side, you can collect a lot of metrics 
uh, without adding load or without overloading your on tap systems so we have a new mechanism to kind of fetch these metrics without even hampering any of your user workloads so another tool that we have and i feel like it doesn't get a lot of recognition or even notice and honestly i forgot to ask you about it before before you reminded me uh, the powershell toolkit so we have this ability to use powershell and microsoft to manage netapp storage so where is that going yeah, so PowerShell Toolkit, uh, Justin, is very popular uh, with our field team as well as with customers. We have quite a lot of customers who have automated using PowerShell Toolkit. And the one information uh, that will be interesting to hear is that it is one, our PowerShell Toolkit is considered one of the best um, across the industry. And given that the usage and given that a lot of customers have built automation on PowerShell, so what we are doing today is a PowerShell toolkit, what we have is based on the 5.x, which is just Windows only. So we are moving in a direction where we will move up to the 7.x of PowerShell, which is which will enable us uh, to have the cross-platform capabilities. So that way, a Linux, a Windows, and a Mac user can also use PowerShell for automation. So that's one of the good news uh, that I can share on PowerShell. In addition to it, uh, similar to Ansible, which gives you that seamless user experience where you don't have to worry about whether it's a Zappy or a REST underneath. We are trying to do a, something similar with PowerShell. So each command, we will pick up uh, commands, the PowerShell commandlets, and then each commandlet uh, will work irrespective of whether it is um, a Zappy or REST. It will take a look in terms of what is the ONTAP version. Uh, and depending on the ONTAP version, it will use the right set of APIs. Uh, and also manually a user has an option of kind of switching it for Zapier REST. So this is some of the good uh, feedback on, sorry, this is some of the good information, uh, positive and uh, in line with uh, the request from the field where we are investing in PowerShell Toolkit. So that's the update I wanted to share on this. So with the PowerShell Toolkit, is that leveraging Zappy today and or is it leveraging REST APIs? And if it's not leveraging REST APIs, will it? So, yeah. Um, today, PowerShell command lets use Zappy. And the plan is once we move from the 5.x platform to the 7.x platform, subsequently, we will pick, pick up a prioritized set of uh, commandlets. And then uh, each of those commandlets, we will work on it to make sure that the, each commandlet works with Zappy or REST. So, for example, if you are on uh, ONTAP 9.6, and then um, it uses the commandlet uses Zappy, and then when you move up to say 9.9, because it is not there today, when you move up to 9.9 or say 9.10, the new the newer releases of ONTAP, so this the same PowerShell commandlet will work because we would have made um, the, the change in the commandlet. Uh, to kind of use either Zapier or REST. So did I answer that question, Justin? Yeah, I mean, I was just basically trying to make sure that, you know, it's future-proof, right? So if, if you know, I know Zappy's not going away anytime soon, but the concern is since we've moved to REST API, you know, how much longer do we support things like Zappy because it doesn't really behoove us to keep writing Zappy things when we're doing everything in REST. Right, so there's a lot of automation where uh, customers have built automation over a period of time and they have actually been incrementally adding and all that automation is built on Zappy. So we have to give customers enough time so they can plan their move from Zappy to REST. Uh, towards that direction, we will have 
Zappy being included, the existing capabilities which Zappy had as of 9.6, we will be including Zappy in the newer releases of ONTAP for a few more releases to enable our customers to kind of move out of Zappy. But the time now, it's the right time given that we have a lot of functionality in REST to plan that move. Uh, you can think about uh, how exactly um, you're using it, using the, those workflows, the automation, and then see which are the equivalent ones using the REST mapping document and then move it. Uh, but the major recommendation would be that if you use say Ansible modules or PowerShell toolkit, you do not have to worry about the underlying API. Uh, rather, uh, it's the module itself which will handle each of those. So if you start moving towards Ansible or PowerShell toolkit, uh, uh, you need not worry about the underlying changes is the message. So we also added something in 9.8 to help you along with that too as well, right? The, the, the documentation of translating Zappy to REST APIs? Right, right. Uh, we have two levels of documentation. One is the Zappy to REST mapping document uh, to help transformation. The second is enhancing the documentation itself. So on the REST online uh, documentation, uh, users uh, had a confusion in terms of which new endpoints came in as part of 9.8 and which were there earlier. So to kind of help in that direction to make it simpler, simpler for them to consume, we have annotated each endpoint to call out when was it introduced. So if uh, endpoint came in 9.6, we would say this was in uh, this came in in 9.6. If it came in in 9.7 non-tap release, we would call it out. And if it is new in 9.8, we, we have a bold there and then say, this was new in 9.8. Uh, we don't stop right at the API level itself, but also we use this annotation at the attribute level. Uh, to give an example in volume metrics, uh, volume metrics were uh, introduced in a previous release of ONTAP, uh, but the capability to grab flex, flex cache related metrics were new in 9.8. So for each of those flex cache related metric, we actually call out saying that these were new in 9.8. So a combination of improvements in documentation plus giving you uh, the Zappy to REST uh, kind of mapping. So we are giving you the right set of tools to enable you to start automation using REST. So we have another product in the portfolio called Cloud Insights. And uh, you know, hearing all this kind of makes me think there's some overlap. So where does that fall into the the the, the uh, arena here, like the the portfolio? I know that you guys don't cover cloud insights, but you know what? How does it complement and how does it compete with what you have today? Yeah, think of a you know kind of the 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 scope of management, right? Where system manager is is defined cluster, uh, AIQUM is you know scoped at the the data center or multi data center level um, and, and really focus on the on premises potentially firewalled environment so secure sites things like that um, as well as you know companies that have access from their systems to the internet um, but then cloud insights provides um, the ability for monitoring on premises but not firewalled uh, resources, as well as the host resources and other storage vendors. And so there is some overlap, um, but the the scope of, of what each of these tools does and monitors um, is definitely uh, different. And with Cloud Insights, we have a, 
a couple different versions of which you get additional features and, and um, additional capabilities uh, with, you know, from the basic to the, you know, the premium versions of, of Cloud Insight. It really comes down to what, what is your objective in, in managing and monitoring and the scope of which you want to manage your environment, right? So if, if it is the, the end-to-end data center uh, along with cloud resources um, and hosts and, and such, Cloud Insights is going to be your answer. If it's, I'm the storage admin, all I really care about is my ONTAP systems, then I'm going to use AIQUM and System Manager together um, or the automation portfolio to uh, automate my tasks, right? So I think that's how you can think about it. And it's a much simpler uh, ex- explanation than it really is. Um, you know, Cloud Insights is a, a platform that we've developed over years and years and years um, that is very robust. And we're working to deliver some of the on-premises features of AIQUM in the Cloud Insights product and vice versa. So some of the things that Cloud Insights do uh, really well, we're going to deliver in, in AIQUM potentially. So if you look at it from, you know, kind of the scope of management, I think that's the best way to approach uh the portfolio of, of, of our products. So, you know, we've been listening to different use cases and reasons why you'd use different pieces of the portfolio. Can you break it down to be in like the simplest of terms? Like, you know, this is used for this, this is used for this. So, you know, what do we use each one for in like, you know, less than a sentence? So set up, you know, day zero, day one, uh, setup and management of a storage system, um, is, is predominantly going to be, uh, used by system manager is done by system manager, um, eventing and alerting and, uh, event remediation and custom reporting, um, is probably best done by AIQUM and for any automation and let's call it, uh, scripting and, um, you know, it is going to be done by the PowerShell toolkit and, uh, Ansible is 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 automation and configuration management, and I'll let Yuvaraju talk about the the REST APIs and and automation and kind of those very easy swim lanes. Coming from an API standpoint, I think um, the higher you go into products like um, Ansible or PowerShell Toolkit, you do not have to worry about uh, the APIs. Uh, you don't have to worry about the nitty gritties, and the changes are all handled by. Ansible and uh, PowerShell Toolkit. Uh, the other option is um, if you have a Northbound orchestrator, which can work well, uh, it can talk directly to each individual clusters, cluster, then you can go with REST. Or uh, if you would prefer um, a data center approach where you have a single endpoint in the, in the data center, you go with ActiveIQ Unified Manager. So. Uh, from an automation standpoint, I think it's more to do with what is the customer's requirement and what is his tool of choice. So we are kind of enabling the customer to, to choose uh, his path, and then we are enabling them by giving them the right set of information, right set of tools uh, to go do that automation and solve their business use case, yes. All right, cool. So if I want to find more information about the portfolio in general, where would I do that? Yep. So we had a, we have an insight session which has been recorded and made available. It's called uh, Simplify Storage Operation and Automation Using the Manageability Suite. Um, the session ID is BRK1158-2. 
So this is one session uh, which in a 40 minute time period gives you uh, an overview of the tools which help you manage the on-premises on-tap system. And as well as uh, a sneak peek into some of the other tools like ActiveIQ, uh, Cloud Insights, um, more in terms of how those again fit in the overall portfolio. Yeah, this is one session which I would recommend. So Chris, uh, other sessions? Yeah, there's a, a couple uh, insight sessions on system manager. So SPD 1395-2, which is simplified and insightful onset ONTAP system manager, um, as well as ERK 1294-2, which is storage life cycles, leave it to unified manager. Um, there's a lot of uh, additional sessions we can include in these in the notes um, that go over the entire manageability portfolio. All right, Chris, Yuvaraji, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, again, Chris, if you wanted to reach you, how do we do that? Uh, you can reach me at cgeb at netapp.com or you can reach me on Twitter at uh, Chris Geb. And Yuvaraju. Yeah, so you can reach me on uh, Yuvaraju at netapp.com or on Twitter, uh, on the Twitter handle, B underscore Yuvaraju. So we also have a Slack channel for Ansible-related queries as well as API-related queries on the netapp.io, the pub. So you can also reach us through these Slack channels. And oh, uh, by the way, if you'd like to see, uh, have some holiday cheer, go to facebook.com slash Gebhardt Family Lights. Oh, yeah, you do the family lights. Thing. That's right. It's that time of year. That time of the year. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or buyatechontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Chris Gebhardt and Yuvaraji for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.